Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Studio on iHeartRadio. My name's Jordan Runtog, but enough about me. My guest today has one of the most recognizable voices in modern folk music. As the frontman of the Lumineers, he's played packed stadiums across the country and helped spearhead the resurgence of roots rock along with the likes of Mumford & Sons and Fleet Foxes. This spring marks 10 years since the release of their self-titled debut, which features their breakthrough smash Ho Hey, as well as favorites like Stubborn Love and Submarines. Two more chart-topping records were to follow, and now he and his musical partner Jeremiah Freights have released their fourth disc, Bright Side, which is available at this very moment for your listening pleasure. Singles like AM Radio, Big Shot, and the title track come steeped in a sentimentality that's been well-earned given the tumultuous last two years, which have been a perspective check for all of us, to be sure. Now, the record is also something of a change of pace for the guys. And to talk more about why, I'm joined by Mr. Wesley Schultz, I hope you enjoy our conversation. Well, you got a new album on the way, Bright Side, and the title really hits differently given the last two years we've had. Are these songs the bright side or the silver lining of, of two years stuck at home for you? Um, yeah, in a way, I think the way I was thinking about it was um, kind of just trying to... Um, create a rally cry for, for, for myself, you know, because it was, I, I felt pretty, uh, steamrolled by everything. I think it, most people, it, it was a slow drip though. It was like, okay, next month. Okay. Next week. And then it just kept going on and on and on. And I think, um, not so much trying to see the bright spots, but almost acknowledging 
that there there is a lot of you know <clears throat> trying times going on in the last two years there's been a lot of uh things to overcome and and acknowledging those and trying to still have i guess a an attitude of like you can't you can't stop us from from trying you know like the guy in one flew the cuckoo's nest where he's like well at least i tried damn it at least I, oh. it feels like that where you're you're not being you know uh oblivious to to what's going on around you you're just you're just also trying to tr- still try you're not submitting yeah oh that's a great scene or cool hand luke too you're just gonna go try for it yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly I mean, I guess building on that, have you learned anything new either about music or even just about yourself uh, in the last two years, given the really kind of transformative time we've had? Yeah, I mean, I, I learned that I spent a lot of time, you you kind of are what you repeatedly do. And, you know, <laughs> we spent a lot of time on the road and got really good at touring and uh, that life. And then when it was almost like we were riding a bicycle and someone stuck a stick into the spokes and you fly over the handlebars, you know, and it just, and, and we were grounded for a while. And I think typically in the last 10 years plus, there was always something else on the horizon. You know, there's always like, if you're touring, then you get off the road, then maybe there's a break, then you write, then you record, then you tour again. It's like this strange uh, carousel that you kind of fall in love with and you get a little bit, adept at and so when everybody said we have to stay at home now we weren't very i wasn't very good at just like living at home i didn't know what i was doing (laughs) um and so i think i learned how much i had acclimated to that other life uh over over the years you know and then and then had to relearn i mean even just um sharing duties as a father now i have two kids and just you know my wife's been sick actually this past week and just oh, no. waking up with the kids and just not with COVID luckily, but she tested every day. It was like every possible symptom was there. And for some reason it, it wasn't COVID. Um, but yeah, she, um, she, you know, just getting up with both kids and dealing with that chaos and seeing how that works, you know, that's some, something you're kind of sheltered from when you're on the road and playing shows constantly. So, um, you know, there's a scene in that Johnny Cash movie where he's that Joaquin Phoenix, Johnny Cash, where he's, I think he's like home for the holidays or something. And he's just kind of a zombie. And that can be a little bit of what you are. And you're more at home in this strange environment on the road. And I, I think that that taught me a lot about a, what my wife is dealing with on a constant basis. And also just like being a dad was a beautiful thing uh, that I probably would have missed a lot of that time had I not been had I been out on the road, you know, I just, there's not enough hours in the day. So, um, again, it's not so much like, Oh, this is good. Right. It's just more, this, this is a beautiful thing that came out of this. Just my son, you know, from the ages of one and a half to now almost four, uh, being a lot more around him. been amazing. Oh, that, I mean, that's gotta be a really special bright side. I mean, does, does that, has that impacted your relationship to music in any way? I mean, you, you hear, I mean, I, I'm not a parent myself, but you hear everybody say that, you know, your whole life changes and the things that, you know, used to matter don't and priorities shift and just things, just your whole world changes. How is that, has that shown up musically on the, on this new album? I know your daughter was born, I think, last year. Um, how's that been? Yeah, now it's last year. Yeah, it's wild. Um, <laughs> it's the new year. Uh, yeah, I think, <laughs> I, I, I've heard that a lot of people 
say when you become a parent, you know, you, you sort of like take an L every day, you know, you, you're truly humbled, you know, you're, you make a, you make this, uh, let's say you make a pasta dinner and your kid's like, I don't want this. No, nope. I want, yeah. you know, <laughs> on the floor Cheerios. And you're like, I would have just gotten you Cheerios. What the, um, and it's not as simple as making them do what you want them to do all the time. Um, I think it's made me really humble. I think also it's, um, you know, it sounds really basic or obvious, but I never really understood the the passage of, I never appreciated the passage of time in this sort of, like I re- mentioned earlier, the carousel that exists when you're writing and touring and, and that always kind of cycle repeats, cycle repeats. Time sort of feels like it stands still. It's almost like living in LA, you know, I could never live there because there's no seasons. It's like, it would drive me crazy. And there's no season sometimes this because you're always you're always on to the next. And I seeing my son just sprout up and grow. And I was like, oh, it created this sense of urgency within me to try to say, well, you know, I only have time is flying by. But I was always like, oh, I'll, I have all this time. I have all this time. So in in in, a, in not to be morbid, but in a funny way, I lost my dad in 2007, and that you know, he died young. And I realized like, I have, I don't know how much time I'll have. So I really need to like make the most of this because there's a level of urgency here. Like I could go, like he went, he's my dad. You don't know. So, um, so anyway, that, that sort of idea of time being really exemplified in your kids and just physically looking at them and saying, like my daughter is getting all these teeth now, all of a sudden, you know, went from zero to five teeth, you know, it seemed like overnight. So that, that type of stuff, I think creates a fire within you to say, I want to really do something special while I'm here with this music and enjoy it also. I mean, enjoying making bright side was, a was kind of a strangely new experience. A lot of what we did in the past with making records was more of a, it felt like, you know, a toil and like pulling teeth in a way where you're kind of just, you're, you're trying so hard that you're trying to control too much. And this was more, you know, stream of consciousness or curiosity or like childlike wonderment going into it, which gave it a brand new feel for being our fourth album. You know, it doesn't sound or feel like the other ones because we didn't really plan much out. It was just kind of flowing out. Yeah, there's a spontaneity there. I think I, I it's, it's apparent on so many of the tracks. I think I, I read on the title track, it, it came together in a day, which I mean, to me, just sounds so fast. I mean, how did, what led to you approaching it differently? Was it just almost more of, because I mean, your last album, Three, came about, I think you were in the middle of touring it when the pandemic hit. So was this, did you intend to set out to write a new album or was it kind of like, well, we've got this time, <laughs> let's let's start creating music and see what happens and it was a little more freeform than usual? Yeah, I, I think, uh, so I, I started out the pandemic, um, we didn't really, I didn't really get to spend any time with Jer, who I write all the songs with. Um, Jer and I grew up together been playing music and writing together for 16 years and um you know there's a lot of fear you know uh so we didn't really see each other for a while so we're just sitting there he he eventually makes a solo record and so do i mine is his is like almost classical style and mine is all cover songs and when i did mine it was um i was out in the catskills and i was just i was riding a motorcycle to and from the studio and just showing up and we'd record and then I'd leave and we'd have 
two songs that seemed like finished every day. And I had no faith in myself until that, till doing that, that I really could, you know, leave it to chance in a way or leave it to the last minute. It was always like, oh, I've had so many experiences where there's like a recency bias where you, you make something, you think it's great. Uh, you know, uh, today's what Tuesday and on Wednesday you hate it. <laughs> so our Thursday. So there was this sort of suspicion of my own thoughts, you know, with that. And this was letting that go and just being free. And so going into Brightside, it was almost like making that solo record. That was sort of just a, a labor of love. Like, Hey, I love, I love so many of these artists and these songs. Let's do that. Uh, Cause I, I don't know if I have it in me to just write a whole new Lumineers record with Jer. We can't really even get together at this point. So now we, we got together and when we were there, I kept thinking like, well, let's not overly plan this. Cause that was really fun. What I just experienced. And then uh, Jer went right along with that. And I think we were both really impressed with how fast the time went in the studio and how much we still are in love with the music we made then. And we don't have to be quite so, you know, suspicious of, it's like, almost like we were like, it's guilty until proven innocent <laughs> in terms of like ideas. We were like, this has got to be bad. There's no way this is good. Whereas this one was more like, can you believe it? Can you believe it? Like, that's how Brightside was done in the day. Cause we didn't spend that much time, you know, the song Brightside that is, was done in a day. We didn't spend that much time overanalyzing. It was just like, do you love it? I love it. Boom. Let's go. Let's keep going. And that's a new thing for us. You know, I, I kind of wish we would have done it like that all along, but uh, I don't think we were exactly ready for that. I mean, you, you mentioned your solo album, Vignettes, and it, it's cover songs of what I imagine be really formative influence for you. Bruce Springsteen, Jim Croce, Warren Zevon, Tom Waits. Uh, in addition to just being able to, to tackle these songs so quickly, did having those, those early influences in your mind, did that take you back to a certain place? I mean, I guess the fact that you recorded AM radio, the video for it at your high school, I feel like there's a lot of looking back on this record. And I was wondering if, uh, I feel like so many people I know, myself included, uh, during the pandemic have been listening to songs from when we were younger as kind of like musical comfort food. I was wondering if, if did the actual compositions, uh, you know, bear those marks of, of early influences from when you were first uh, falling in love with music. Yeah, no, I, never, I never really thought about it that way. But yeah, I think, I think that's a lot of where we go, you know, to feel something. You know, you, you're kind of numb. I was so, you get so numb throughout this whole uh, last now almost two years. Um, a way to tap back into yourself is to say, where do I come from? You know, where do I come from musically? Where do I, what are these, all these beautiful memories that were attached to this music before the world seemed to stop, you know? Um, so I, I think part of it was that. And then part of it was um, trying to, you know, I had a friend, he went to Berkeley. He used to be in our band and then he went to Berkeley and he's, he's a really avant-garde kind of jazz music kind of guy. And his name's Joe. And Joe said, you know, I love what you guys are doing. And we were kind of like downplaying it. Like, hey, you know, it's not what you do. And he's like, if you love playing a G chord or just play a G chord, like stop, stop trying to impress <laughs> some other music person in the room and make music for you and 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 that that love will emanate and that will like kind of radiate out and and this album is very much i think like that where 
there's not an ego in it. It's just some these these songs that were following, you know, we loved making. And then going back to the, the high school, it was like part of it is realizing your attitude back then was a beautiful one. A lot of times, you know, it was like you you felt indestructible. And I think just trying to find that again within us, because you feel all of us feel so vulnerable and fragile and like everything can be stripped away in a moment because of how this played out, I think, psychologically. Maybe that was why I wanted to go there as a like from the lyrical standpoint and from the feeling was just. I like that feeling of invincibility. I like going on that first drive with your friend who just got his license or maybe he doesn't have his license and you're in a car and you're just driving and you're lighting a cigarette and you're breaking a bottle behind a convenience store. And you're you just kind of like you feel like the world is yours. As opposed to right now, you're you don't even belong in this world. You know, it's kind of. So maybe it was that too. It wasn't so much conscious as it was that feels good to think about those things. That feels good to, And it wasn't even like, I want to be that age again. I just, I want that attitude. I want that feeling again, that, you know, feeling of being 15 or something. And, and if someone plays you some song you had never heard and it changes your life, you know, which is like AM radio where we shot the video at our old high school which it would have been my 20, 20th reunion this year. I've never set foot in it in 20 years. So it was really strange to go back Man. and be like, this is my first time back. And some of my fellow um, classmates, a couple of them are like teachers now. And um, it's just wild, you know, going back. And um, But the passage of time and like realizing, oh, you know, some of us kept that innocence and that curiosity it's like what we loved about what we continue to love. I think as fans, if you're a fan of Neil Young is that he just always seems like in wonderment of what he's doing. He's like, gets lost in it. It's not, it's not um, scientific. It's not clinical. It's, it's just like a guy who loves what he does and almost approaches it like a kid would. Oh, totally. I was, I was waxing poetic with a friend recently about uh, his solos. And this is going to come out as an insult, and I mean it as the highest compliment. I love the fact that he, so many of his solos, it's like, he can't play them, but he plays them anyway. It's just sheer force of will, him just hitting that Gretsch or whatever it is. And, and I love that. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? 
it's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. And you mentioned earlier about being, you know, 15 years old and that that sense of uh, confidence, for lack of a better term. I mean, I, I feel like in, in those days, we don't have that judgment voice in our head when we're trying to create. You're just doing it. And the fact that you're making anything is so exciting. And then later on, you think, oh, that sucks. And the older you get, the more you think, I've done this. This is bad. This will never work. And how do you balance um, keeping that sense of youthful freedom while also being somebody with, you know, a, a seasoned musician with 20 years of, of touring under your belt? Like, how do you balance those 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 two sides of you? Yeah, I mean, I think um, part of it is you're constantly, I mean, I, I just watched the Beatles documentary, you know, all nine hours of it. It was, it was great. Um, but one of the things I noticed, and I don't know if this is what they were doing, but to me, it's what they were doing is they were constantly playing other people's songs, kind of goofing around. And it was in my head, it was their way of forgetting what they were there to do, you know, <laughs> putting them hip, hypnotizing themselves so that the real stuff could come out. Because if you just sit there and you just, you know, hack away at the same thing over and over and sort of beat a dead horse, you don't get anywhere. And so part of trying to silence the inner critic is to just forget that you're there to make something that will later be judged. You know, you're just you're just playing stuff and you're poking around in the dark and something happens like, you know, get back where <laughs> that would blew my like, mind. What is this? And uh, it's but I feel like that's that's a lot of you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it happens, uh, it's so special and Paul knew it. And that's the other thing is you can have something really special and he shows it to John and John's like, all right, there's nothing like you've done it, you know, which I think is what a lot of people assume. It's like, there's an instinct in the room with someone, someone's, someone's leading some sort of charge about it and, and magic happens. So I think part of it is just forgetting to be innocent is to forget what you're there to do. And you're just playing around, you know, it's just like, you know, that's how the song bright side began. Jared was warming up, you know, and like the, the drum beat for that was him just warming up and kind of imitating what I was playing on guitar and then taking it in his own direction. And then once he did that, now my guitar part's not there anymore because he's playing the, the thing I was doing. So now I have to do something. And it's almost like improvisation versus, you know, okay, you did that. So then I'm going to do, it's not so, you know, planned out scientific, which I think is a big part of that feeling of innocence is just, and then also just actually not, you, you, there's nowhere else to go. You've left yourself. The only way to go is to 
do it in that room instead of, well, we have a good song, but let's try to beat it. It's like, no, we didn't really have a song yet. We just had a shitty voice memo <laughs> that we're going to build off of. So part of it, I think, is setting yourself up to have that. But I, I wish I had, like I said earlier, I wish I had approached every album this way. But then again, I'm like, it's funny. You can't really plan that much about it. I don't know if that was our personality or our confidence level before. Because what we're talking about, a lot of it is just this like almost bravado, but like a naive bravado. Like, <laughs> you know, like I remember Simon, our producer, he kept like, putting his middle fingers in the air like yeah like all the time and, and everybody started doing that it was just like this attitude that you feel when you're a cert of a certain mindset a certain age that you try to just live within that while you're doing it but easier i don't know how neil young has maintained that and and you know it's it's incredible or even you know tom petty when he was alive or bruce springsteen um there's a lot of people that i grew up listening to that have maintained into their later years in some beautiful, beautiful way. And uh, you just try to like sponge it off of them of like, how did they do that? You know, try to feel their vibe. I had read that in the uh, in the studio when you start sessions for a new album, you have a kind of a, a mood board with with pictures and quotes. And this time around, I don't know if this is true. I read that you had a picture of uh, Liam and Noel Gallagher uh, on stage in like you know Net Nebworth or something in '96. What what was that? I mean, I guess hearing what you just said about you know middle fingers in the air, raw power and naivete. I guess that kind of was that kind of what you're going for with the uh, the Noel and Liam picture. Yeah, like that was Simon's idea. Simon Felice of the Felice Brothers, you know, like kind of a band I fell in love with. Two thousand seven, we went and saw them the next year in a little church that was became a bar. Like a, <laughs> it was a beautiful scene, and they became they were a really big influence. Not only because we loved their music, but just the way that they unapologetically recorded. You know, in this, it's it's like, is that a demo? Is that finished? Uh, it was so rough around the edges, but it was so compelling. And I was like, well, why am I questioning this? You know, it's like you watch old movies that came out today. People say, oh, they're trying to go for that vintage look. It's just like, mm -hmm. it's what they had. And that's how they made you movies. It just and, is. It's not trying yeah. to be anything. But um, yeah, I think the the Nebworth, uh, if you haven't seen the documentary or people listening to this haven't ever seen it, there's a beautiful uh, documentary about Oasis. Um, and they, they the the movie ends with them going to this playing the show, and it's huge at Nebworth. And um, basically, I think Simon thought to himself, you know, I think these guys are always kind of like me and Jer are constantly trying to shed ego when it comes to a song, when it comes to performance. You know, you try to serve the song, and he's like, as much as I love that, you guys got to accept that just like those guys are Oasis, like you guys are the Lumineers and you guys started this in your mom's, you know, little attic. And then you continued it on, went to Denver and now you're here and you need to kind of embrace that instead of, you know, pawning it off and being like, well, no, cause of this, cause of this. It's like, you know, have, have some of that swagger and pride in what you do with each other and own that a little more. And, and that, and that's what, you know, I think that's what he, and then he also put the word free up on the wall. Uh, oh, wow. And, and he, that was all in his head. And then I, I was like, can I add one more? I wrote the word anthem. 
because I thought there was like a lot of, there was this anthemic quality to a lot of what we had already started trying to work on. Um, and that an anthem can be slow. It can be, it could be like nothing that radio would ever play and it will still be an anthem. It's like, that's the funny thing about, you know, music is that it doesn't, it finds a way like good songs find a way, you know, listening to like seven nation army, you have soccer stadiums around the world chanting that it's like crazy. You know, that's not a guy who set out to do that, but his music became an anthem for, it was a feeling. So I think Simon had, he's just, he did his, he does such a good job as a producer um, that his instincts were right on. They were like right in line with what we needed to hear. And you recorded, I think this is your, I, I think your third album you've recorded up in the, in the Hudson Valley. What is it about that area? I mean, I've been there myself. I love it. There's definitely an energy and, and the history, obviously, with, you know, the band and Bob Dylan and Van Morrison and Todd Rundgren and, and all those incredible people. What is it about that, that, that region for you that really, uh, really speaks to you? Yeah, we have, even in uh, the studio we were working out of, there, just down the hill is where Jimi Hendrix's spot was. And then just near Simon, where he lives, which is like 10 miles away, is uh, down the road is where Van Morrison did Moondance. So there's all this like history around, but it's not just... Um, I think the allure is that you're in a different spa- headspace when you're out there and that you um, you don't know quite why. You know, it's a special area. You don't really know. It's a historic area. There were those Catskill Mountains were mystical to people people would come up the hudson and look over and see them and freak out and then they'd go out there and check it out and there's something like i would say there's a mysticism there rip van winkle you know all these things are from that area um so i think when we go out there there's a there there's an ability to tap into something that you don't really get if you're in i remember recording in la and you step out of the studio it's actually sound city and you step out and it's it's a parking lot and the nearest place to eat is a car dealership that has a great tuna salad sandwich. It's like the weirdest, uh, it's not to me, it's not what I need when I'm taking a break. And when I want to look out, I don't want to look out at concrete and pavement and highways. I want to see just something more serene that calms me down because there's, there's a lot of emotion making a record and there's a lot of uh, roller coaster, I guess you could say like, any sort of writer, you know, think like The Shining, you kind of go nuts and you, you kind of, you need something to chill you out. And so for me, that's a, that's a big part of it. And then just knowing those mountains, there's something about them that, that they're older and wiser. We talked to Simon about this, you know, I live in Denver and we have the Rockies and those are the, one of the world's youngest mountain ranges. So they're real, they're real like sharp and almost aggro. And then these, these Catskill mountains are smooth and like almost rolling. They're tall, but they're, they've been worn down over time and they know things. It's, it's weird. It's like, there's a wisdom in them. And, and these are more like, they represent like in Denver, like the West, you know, people coming out here and adventure and manifest destiny. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. So, um, there's a lot to it, but it's almost like you can't really, you've been out there. So you kind of know it's like, you can't really necessarily explain it. It's just a feeling kind of like the kind of like the record honestly because a lot of our records we've made are so literal especially the last one and even Cleopatra um the stories are like rooted in almost like folk music in the sense that there's a story and these are way more like 
rock songs where they're on bright side where they're it's like you put the story aside and you're just trying to wash a feeling over the audience you know try to cast a spell of like this is where this is what i feel you feel this Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. I'm so glad you mentioned stories because I was going to ask you, I mean, so many stories are just so potent in your music. I mean, you know, almost as potent as the melodies in some places. And something I really love about the lyrics on on this record is it seems less linear and almost more impressionistic. Like, you know, Never Really Mine is, is one of my favorites because it's it's so raw. And then I think I read somewhere you were saying you wanted to evoke a couple fighting so loud that neighbors were, you know, called the cops on them or something. And I and I heard that and I and I was like, oh, I totally picked up on on that feeling. I never would have thought to articulate it like that, but that's exactly what it felt like to me. I mean, that that was, I really, I sensed the difference in the lyrics and I thought it was really, really potent. And I, I that those feelings definitely came through in a way that, you know, wasn't linear, but still just as evocative. Yeah, and I think we brought Neil Young earlier. He does it better than anyone. And Kurt Cobain did it amazingly well. And mm. people go through their phases. Bob Dylan seems to like drift in and out of that and then telling stories. It's, it's interesting, but um, yeah, like I think that I, this record gave me such an appreciation for working in a partnership with Jer, Jeremiah about like collaboration is a beautiful thing. And it's, it no longer, you're no longer on an Island. You have a partner in crime. Um, so like with never really mind, if you could hear what he sent me, it would, you'd laugh because where it ended up is so different, but I would have never said those words to begin with. And that's where collaboration or we laid that song down. And then he added these almost like a picture, like Dave Grohl when he was 15 playing those drums, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's just very teenage Jer playing drums um, to it. But a lot of them, I mean, 
um, there's a song birthday that he sent me and he sounded really desperate. He sounded like really, uh, like he was losing his mind. And I think he kind of was, he was, he just moved to Italy and he's living with his in-laws for months and it was just a hard time. It's the pandemic. Um, they have a newborn and, or a, a toddler rather. So he sent me this, this voice memo and he sounds like he's like slowly losing his mind, but it made me, like I would have never wrote it's all right it's all right it's all right it's your birthday like why would you say it's all right <laughs> you know like he's but the way he sung it was so perfect and so like again the the collaboration I think on this record there is more innocence and I think Jer the way he writes lyrics is so rooted in more of a feeling that I learned a lot just and I would adopt a lot of what he said on certain songs that I would have never done on my own and again that's a way that you can evolve just like there are way more drums on this album than there were on any of the other albums we've made because Jer was always serving the song. And because we were almost, it reminds me a little white stripes where he was like, all I needed was kind of backbeat. You know, that was the blues. That was the blues to him. And he was doing that. And for us, it was like somehow rooted in a similar feeling of like, it doesn't need more than that. Don't do more. And then this time around, he kind of let it rip a little bit more like, like he was just messing around with the song. And so you hear him do what he's always been able to do, but we kept calling him Jersey Ringo. Because <laughs> he would have all these like clever little beats. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, it was just, it was, a, it was a process that I think uh, w- the result is because of the, you don't really, you know, you don't really get there unless there's some authentic feeling behind it to cast that feeling. So I think we, we really became like, we, tr- we, we transported back in time in our minds of like, Oh, how let's, let's act as if act as if we're, we're doing the best thing ever. That's, and that's Oasis, you know, they were like, we're the greatest band in the world. And then you're, and then later on they'll say, well, the Beatles, we've always just been copying the Beatles, but we're, we're still the best band. And you know, they had this humility because they, they knew who like the best was, but they also, wanted to be great and they wanted to do something powerful and they did a really that that documentary we talked about just a few minutes ago was like it totally changed my perspective on the band um and i think i think a lot of people have ideas of who we are and that's what's fun for any band is to just maybe go in a new direction and hopefully people come with you but it's never a bad sign if people go i like the other stuff better because that means you're changing and evolving and <laughs> And it's like natural. They're gonna, you're gonna lose some people. You're gonna gain some people. It's just how it works. But if you kind of stay the same, it's not. It's like those actors who always do like a rom com. That's what Matthew McConaughey broke out of. You know, he went into that vortex and then somehow crawled out of it. And I think um, when you when you feel like you have a mastery or like a command over something, you you just do it. There's not much risk in that, and the people sense that, and then it just becomes like boring to the artist and to the listener so for us that was also a beautiful part of it was just like not quite sure what we're doing most of the time but but having a higher level of skill than we had 10 years ago so maybe that not knowing what we're doing actually is listenable you know instead of just like what were we thinking well there's something i i always love to ask people who are sort of blessed with the ability to write music which which i myself am not and it's been great because i always get such an incredible variety of answers. I'm always curious what compels people to write. Is it a desire to connect with other people and, you know, 
reach out and, and connect with people? Or is it just to get something out of you? And you would write just as much if you were on a desert island somewhere. It's all about the exorcism. It, it, does does one motivate you more than the others? Is it is it more of a desire to connect or is it more of a desire just to express and the other person on the other end of it almost doesn't factor into it? Yeah, well, I grew up, my dad was a psychologist and I was going to be one. I was, I was like, you should name it Schultz and son. Cause I'm going to be like, I'll, I'll work under you and then I'll take it over. You know, I was so interested in people. I found them really fascinating. Um, on an individual level, you know, what makes people do the most seemingly contradictory mm. things that you, they're not caricatures. Like you think they're not automatons that you can predict where, what they're going to behave like. Um, there's like, so there's a genuine interest in people. And then there's also this like idea that it's strange, but like expressing loneliness and hearing other people express loneliness makes me feel connected in -hmm. some strange way. So like the human condition, I think is one that you, you, you're, you're always battling that feeling of being alone and you don't really know how to shake that. But sometimes when someone says, I feel alone, you feel less alone. It's a strange thing that happens. Um, and so I think part of it is, is trying to feel alive through expressing not only pain, but sometimes hope in the face of that. Um, and, and, it, and it's probably more of a selfish thing to your question. I don't think it's so much like I wanted to connect with a bunch of people. I wasn't like lonely and needed to connect that way. I was just fascinated by the idea that you could express your own path, your own thoughts and your own experiences. And somehow that translates to someone else. I, I, that's still a great mystery to me, but I love that about music. And I love that about other people's songs. You know, I listen to before I go on stage when we're playing often like bigger places, I will always put on something that makes me, start to cry like before the show. Cause I'm like, if I go out there and I'm like, just, Hey guys, what's up? Like, that's not where I need to be. I need to actually have raw emotion like on me and then just give that or otherwise it's going to feel like a Vegas. <laughs> like, so, so I'll listen to these certain songs and that's an example of like those songs, what they do to me. That was the fascination. Like, how do I, how do I, how can I do that? Because that to me, that made me feel less alone in some strange way. And like, can I, can I do that in a, indirectly for other people and also for myself? And that's the black magic of music. That's like the strangest mystical part of it is that if you tried to explain this to an alien, they would never understand you. It's like Terminator when he's like, why are your eyes, you know, wet or, you know, <laughs> leaking or whatever he asks. It's like we are moved to tears. We are moved to laughter. We're moved to hug total strangers through music. That's incredible. Um, so there was that. There was wanting to be a part of that, I think, was the biggest uh, appeal to music was just like, how? This is like crazy. How do I be a part of this? Um, and, it, and it's paid, like, to me, it's paid me back tenfold. You know, it's like, but it is funny because if you, if you make something that you think is cool, um, for someone else, it never works. It's always like something that you didn't want to share or you didn't want to go there that often gets, that gets through to people. Um, so you're almost like this weird sacrificial lamb to your, <laughs> to your audience. Like you're going to sh- you know, talk about your scars and your wounds and your feelings 
so that they can feel all right. <laughs> it's like a strange, uh, strange thing, but it's like, it's a noble, I think it's a noble act. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's an incredibly beautiful way to put it. And it makes me think of, of the video for, for, Bright side, which I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, bring some tissues. First of all, uh, it, it is really, really beautiful. Uh, it, it opens with um, a whole assortment of people being asked, uh, "What is love to you?" And you know, there's everybody from teenage hitchhikers to middle-aged nudists to a a elderly widower, and who I mean, it, it, some of the responses are, are are pretty gutting, but but absolutely beautiful. And I mean, it, it, I think it speaks to your point earlier about you know being interested in people. And I think watching that as the setup to your song puts the song in a totally different light. It kind of prepares you emotionally to receive the message of that song. To me, at least, as a as a fan and someone who who listened to it and enjoyed it very much. And that was a uh, the director Kyle Thrash did a beautiful job with that music video for bright side and he, you know he kind of makes these almost like documentary style music videos so all those people weren't actors they were just kind of like being asked about themselves and there's a scene where people are riding around on these quads in like a swamp and that's just what they were doing and he's like can i film some of this you know so the whole thing is just a peek into other people's lo- lives and and how love you know breaks people's hearts and connects people and everything in between um he did like such a beautiful job with that, with that video. And I think it, again, like, I think it was a good approach to the song because the song is much more about a feeling than like, Hey, what happened in this story? You know, (laughs) Hey, I hear this guy's doing mushrooms in a hotel. Like what happened? Like there's nothing, it's just more, these, these people are on like almost a, you know, a, a weird road trip together trying to get away from something. And that was what, my whole like twenties was spent doing. So it was like, it was a look back on that, but it was also like a feeling. And, and, and I thought those, the people tell it better than trying to be so on the nose about it. You know, you just kind of talk around it and try to illustrate through other people's experiences. Well, I guess it's only fair. I got to ask you, what is, uh, what is love to you? Hmm. Man. That's such an unfair question. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think love, the best way I can put it is that love is like that. If you love someone, it's impossible to understand your life. Like it, the whole, your whole life turns on a dot uh, and an axis. And, and all of a sudden you can't even remember what it was like before you didn't know them. And you can't remember what life was like without them. Um, that to me, cause it was, it was with my wife, it's with my kids. Like that's the only way I can understand it. It's like, it's so, uh, it, it puts your tilt, it tilts your axis and then you're never back in a good way, in the most beautiful way. But um, yeah, I don't know if that even like answers the question, but that's the best way I can understand it. Cause I'm always like, I can't even remember what I was like before I met you. I can't remember what life felt like, you know, and now it's like, now we have kids and they, I don't know if you have kids, but that does, that does it to you too, where you're just like, Oh wow. I would like literally run through a wall or run through in a burning house for you. And I'd never felt that towards anything besides my wife before this. And now it's your kids more, even more innocent. So that was a beautiful articulate response to a really unfair question that I sprung on you. So I thank you for that. Well, it's from our video. So I should have thought about it before. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, my, my last question, speaking of, of connecting to people, uh, what is next for you guys? I know, obviously, it's tough to say, given everything that's going on with, with COVID, but uh, you plans to hit the road again in the, uh, in the relatively near future? Yeah, we say COVID willing, we'll be out on the road um, for the next year and a half, two years, you know, and if, if, if things get rescheduled, they get rescheduled, but we're just proceeding, like, we're, we'll take what we can get, you know, it's like, we just want to be back out there. And so, um, we'll be starting in early, early January and then onward. And I, I think, I think the way things are moving, there is a, there's a cautious optimism about being out there and it feeling once again, safe, hopefully. Um, but we've been sitting around long enough. I think we're ready to get out there. And <laughs> we, we got to play a few shows last year, the end of the year. And that was like, you know, so uplifting. So I, I truly can't wait. And it, it's worth it, even if we have to be in a bubble half the time, to just be able to go do this. We forgot how fun it was, in a way, because we were touring so much that you kind of burn yourself out. And so it's good to be back, yeah. feeling like desiring that nothing but that. You're like, oh, I yeah. really want to do this. You know, it really feeds us. So um, we're excited, and like I said, a lot of this is up to other forces outside of ourselves. You know, so we're ju- we're just kind of like proceeding as if cautiously optimistic the motto of, of 2022 so far but hope to get you out there soon oh man wesley thank you so much for your music and your time today it's been such a pleasure talking to you thank you appreciate it man appreciate it thanks so much we hope you enjoyed this episode of inside the studio a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio or other fantastic shows, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.